Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Extraordinary Women podcast. And this is episode 110. Thank you for tuning in to the Extraordinary Women podcast, the show that is part of the Extraordinary Women online destination, where we share inspiration, tips, advice, and even some laughs specifically for women who are serious about stepping into their dreams. Our motto is no more procrastinating, let's just do it. Visit us at ExtraordinaryWomenMagazine.com to find show notes for each episode, as well as content that is sure to get you fired up and moving forward on making your dreams happen. From the Extraordinary Women Magazine, which comes out four times a year, all the way to the Extraordinary Women Notebook, which we call the EW Notebook, which is a weekly blog that is posted every Thursday. We are about supporting you and every other extraordinary woman to make dreams come true. Now, let's begin today's episode. Well, today I'm going to talk about the Queen, and we all know that that means Queen Elizabeth II. It was reported that 4.3 billion people watched the Queen's funeral, the biggest globally watched event in the history of the world. No one expected this. Social media downgraded the event over and over. So. If you think social media has the pulse of the thoughts and feelings of the masses of real people on this planet, the Queen's funeral is a good reminder that social media is often just the very loud voices of a few people. All those invited world leaders, dignitaries, and royalty arrived and quietly accepted their seats and transportation to Westminster Abbey. Now, this was amazing, giving most of them were driven to the funeral in what were essentially school buses. For one day, they all seemed to want to make Queen Elizabeth proud. Like me, you might have found yourself in tears, not only during the funeral, but all through the photos and the stories we watched on our screens in the days leading up to the funeral. For most of us, she was not our queen, and yet somehow she was. She touched us all with her grace, her commitment to what she felt was her purpose in life, her faith, her positivity, and her willingness to look at all sides of every situation. As a woman, she was also a mother, a wife, a daughter, who had to balance those roles with a big, hugely important, lifelong career. Her impact on the world was still a shock for some, many who thought they knew what people wanted or were passionate about in our world. But when point Three billion people watch, regardless of their faith, their color, their economic circumstance and country, it makes us all think, what was it about the Queen that had us glued to our screens? Well, first, 
I think she inspired us to do better, to be better. Think of ourselves less. She was never on a podcast, didn't write a single book, never gave even one interview, and obviously never did a TED Talk. Instead, she inspired us by how she lived. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to incorporate more of her lessons into my own life and business. So let's start with that never complain mantra. That's a hard one for me to wrap my head around. I do this podcast and in many of the episodes, I'm sharing events from my past from which I've learned my greatest lessons. But I have a hunch. I've been complaining a bit. So now I'm asking myself those hard questions. Could those lessons learned be differently expressed? Could I come from a more positive perspective? Is there a more joy-filled way for me to share my lessons learned? Well, stay tuned. I'm working on it. Queen Elizabeth possessed a positivity that sometimes drove those of us who like action a little crazy. She had a faith in her children and grandchildren that at times I thought was delusional. But was it really? What if I embrace positivity rather than feeling the need to always point out the hard realities? What if I just stop complaining? That new awareness has me catching myself, counting those complaints I casually toss out in my average day. The weather, the traffic, travel disruptions, politicians, computer technology, you name it, I've complained about it. Well, enough is enough. Throughout her life, the queen focused on looking at the positives and never publicly complaining about anything in her life. Maybe she really didn't want to be queen. Maybe she really wanted to live a quiet life filled with dogs and horses and family and friends. We don't know, do we? Because she didn't complain. Now, some of you might be saying, but Sherry, she was the queen and she had all that money and jewels and homes and castles far beyond what anyone could ever want. Well, let's look at the job of being queen a little closer. How many of us would want to dress up every single day? Her engagement calendar was full right up to the end. And that meant she had to dress up, put on tights, wear the shoes with heels, put on lipstick along with a smile on her face, even though she might have preferred to wear jodhpur's boots and a dirty coat and maybe hang out at the horse barn. Me, even when I'm dressed up, I like to call my style elegant comfort, which is sometimes a pseudonym for elastic waist and billowy skirts. I haven't put my feet into Prada pumps for possibly a decade. And the thought of doing so day after day makes me want to throw those shoes out the window. Pantyhose? I can't remember when I last wore pantyhose. I don't even know where to buy pantyhose, if you want to know the truth. Yet, the queen, she dressed up every day for her people, for her job. Well, it got me thinking, what if dressing up a bit more 
is really a reflection of how much I respect the people I meet during the day. Not just the friend I'm meeting for dinner, but the checkout lady at the grocery store, the Starbucks barista, the bookstore clerk. What if how I dress says to the world around me, you matter? Now, Parisians believe that when you respect yourself, you respect others. And so suddenly I've realized that I dress up more when I'm in Paris. And as my perspective now has shifted, I realize that that's going to change. I can do better. And then there are the photos. (laughs) When I look at photos of myself as a young woman and the recent photos of myself as I look today, I would never ever want those photos to be seen by anyone outside of my family and good friends. Where did my waist go? What has happened to my neck? And Where are my eyes? Yet the queen had to see her droopy neck in portraits and even on the face of currency. Positivity? Yep, I'm embracing it again. Rather than pointing out, when I look in the mirror, rather than pointing out what is sagging and fading, I'm going to reflect upon what's still looking pretty good. Just four days before her death, the queen dressed up. She had on her typical lipstick and a smile when she met the new prime minister of the United Kingdom. Stop complaining, Sherry, and just get on with it. Let's be happy we are still here. And then there are the kids. What I want to have Every one of my child's poor decisions be discussed by the world as a reflection upon my mothering skills? Difficult. Difficult to say the least. We all try to be the best mothers we could be. But were we perfect? No. We were human. And so are our children and even those grandchildren. Every one of them has their own journey. So, I'm going to listen more and turn off any judgments that are going on, even the ones that are inside my head. Why? Because I know I can do better. Now, can we talk about the houses? As you all know, I love houses. I love HGTV. I a while ago fell in love with Magnolia Home and almost every other decorating and renovation show that's on, you know, streamed on television or YouTube. I love all sorts of styles and colors. I like redoing and updating. After the queen died, I realized there probably would be some shuffling of homes and palaces between family members, right? At first I thought, cool, I wonder which castle or home I'd like. And then I remembered, what if the only houses I could choose from were all drafty old places that my ancestors had bought generations ago? What if the color redo I was craving was not happening because it was going to cost millions? Depressing, right? Now, King Charles and I are kindred spirits in this love of homes and gardens, But I toured Clarence House after his renovation following the death of his grandmother, and though it was pretty, it was still a big, somewhat cold, old stone mansion with problems lurking behind every door and curtain. Old houses are fantastic until they're not. I learned there are always issues, so if you love old homes, you must love their issues. 
As you know, my very first condo in Boston after my divorce was in the Back Bay. And it was a gorgeously renovated old brownstone that was built in the, I think about 1863 or 1864. Because it was renovated, I thought, yippee, there will be no issues. Wrong. There were ongoing issues. There was a constant leak into the unit above me that no matter how much money the condo association spent on experts, we could never clearly resolve as to the source of the problem. There were mice and rats in the back alley that needed to be kept in check. And the windows were not as tight, were not tight, I should say, not at all, even though they were brand new because they had to meet the rules of what was acceptable for this historic home. And that meant single-paned windows, if you can believe it. I can't imagine what happens inside a castle built in the 17th century. So the next time I imagine how perfectly someone else's life must be based on their Instagram photos and followers, or the photo of the Chateau living, or how fabulous their website is, and I'm finding myself wishing that I had just a little bit of their success, I'm going to remind myself, I don't really know anything else about their lives. So stop making assumptions. What do I really know is true about the person or the people that are inside that Instagram page or that house in that chateau? Nothing. So again, I can do better. Okay, women entrepreneurs, I want to let you know about a fabulous resource. The Extraordinary Women magazine is only $29.99 a year, and with that minimal investment, you'll receive four issues of the digital magazine, which are just chucked full of inspiring interviews, subscriber highlights, valuable tips, and ideas for you, the entrepreneur, regardless of the stage of your business. But this is a big but. This is more than just a magazine. During the year, you will have opportunities to connect with other like-minded women who are supporting each other and sharing ideas as they go along their business journey as well as invitations to valuable workshops on topics that you need to plant or bloom or grow that business, as I call it. So go to the extraordinarywomenmagazine.com and subscribe. Join this movement of women from all over the world who are creating and growing businesses. Next, it was obvious that the queen was an expert at making every single person she crossed paths with feel they mattered. Whether they were an hourly worker at the local supermarket or the president of a country. Do I do that? Am I sometimes so preoccupied with my life that I don't see the Amazon delivery guy who's at the door soaked through because it's raining outside? Or the gal at the checkout counter at the grocery store who seems bored with her job? Or the tired shopkeeper who, unbeknown to me, could have shown up for work even though her child was sick because she needed the money? 
the queen didn't treat the everyday people she met any differently than when she met the President of the United States. To her, they were equally important. I can do better. Now, on a daily basis, yet the, yes, the queen met ordinary people who were working hard to keep food on the table. But she also met with presidents, prime ministers, dictators, royalty, politicians. Therefore, she had to keep herself educated in the politics, economics, and social changes, not only in the UK, but also the world. And she had to do that with a clear and open mind. So how can we keep ourselves educated about the events in our countries and the world, but not be so self-righteous, so sure that we are each right? I'm thinking I must listen more. I need to constantly be willing to hear input from all sides of every argument. Nothing is ever just this or that. So instead of always being sure, I'm going to try to see the issues I'm feeling passionate about from a variety of viewpoints. I'm going to go to some events, read articles that are outside of my comfort zone, to hear the stories of people who are not inside my bubble. I can do better. And last, the biggest of all, the Queen kept her promises. At 21, the Queen said, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. To your service. Wouldn't that be a great mission of our politicians instead of building their legacies and creating huge personal wealth? But beyond the politicians, how do we view our own promises? What about those promises we make to ourselves? What about the promises we make to others? Promises are not some casual statement that maybe we throw out in the moment. What if we make our promises our compasses, guiding the way that we choose to make decisions in our lives? So yes, I can do better. And now, lastly, the Queen was 96 years old when she passed. Was she ever invisible or irrelevant? No. Why? Well, partially because she was the queen, but she could have retired a decade ago and hidden away in one of her castles. But instead, the queen was doing her job right up until a few days before her death. Now, this tugs at my own self-consciousness at being a woman of a certain age. Now, you and I don't have one lifetime job that we must keep doing, but I'm going to suggest that we need to have purpose right up to the end. And luckily for us, our purpose can change. I learned, though, that it doesn't take much for me to question my relevance, say this is too hard. Recently, I got COVID, or I think it was COVID. One day, I was out for dinner with a lovely group of ladies touring with Sandra Sigmund of La Fleur. And the next day, I was in bed feeling like I had been hit by a truck. Lying on the sofa, too sick to read, I had an abundance of time to think. I began to feel a little sorry for myself. 
one thing led to another. And I thought, well, maybe I've been on the wrong path these past few years. Maybe it was time to abandon my dream, give it up, learn to play bridge, pretend I like to exercise instead of all this dream pursuing business. How silly of me was it to start this extraordinary women business? Well, then Queen Elizabeth entered my mind. She was the Queen of England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. And I'm creating a little magazine business for women like you and me. So get it together, Sherry. Stop moping. None of us has to become relevant unless we choose that for ourselves. We have lots of years to learn how to play bridge. But now is not the time. I can do better. Well, I want to thank everyone for joining me today. And if you liked this podcast episode, go over to the extraordinarywomenmagazine.com and join us. Wonderful things will end up in your inbox if you do which includes, you know, interviews with women who are truly rocking their next chapter, as well as all kinds of ideas and input on a variety of related topics. So again, thank you for joining us today. And until next week's podcast, Abiento. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. And if you liked this conversation, please press the like button, subscribe, and share this podcast with other extraordinary women like you who you think might enjoy this conversation and join our community of truly extraordinary women. Now, we might seem like a group of just average gals, but we are doing amazing, extraordinary things. That's the key to creating a magical and purpose-filled life So I hope you join us. Take good care. And as I say in Paris, a bientôt.